Welcome back to Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. This podcast is home to the raw, real, unscripted conversations that nobody else wants to have. On Tuesdays, I bring in the guest experts, and on Thursdays, you'll hear all the high thoughts. So excited that you are here, so grab your coffee, cocktail, whatever your drink of choice is, and let's head to the lounge. Natalie, welcome to Lexi's Lounge. What are you drinking today? Hi, Lexi. So I am drinking some kombucha in a wine glass because I want to drink like I used to, but I can't anymore. And it is only nine in the morning. So I feel like I could get away with that, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, here I am drinking champagne. So cheers to you. <laughs> yeah, you actually, come on now. So I messaged Natalie yesterday and I was like, will you be on my podcast? Okay. So she's a writer for well and good. And she posted on her stories about how she bought a pair of new balances and then she wrote a whole piece about the new balances for dads. And I was like, wait, is this how you come up with your ideas? <laughs> like, how does this work? So I was like, I have to have her on the podcast and just get a peek inside of her brain. So before we dive more into your brain, can you tell us about who you are, where you're from, how you got to where you are now, just your overall background? Yeah, definitely. I get asked this a lot. I got pretty used to boiling it down, which is just like, I'm Natalie Arroyo Camacho. I'm a 28-year-old Mexican-American, first-generation, bisexual eldest daughter, which is a mouthful, but does really encompass who I am, you know, and I think that is important. Even if all you remember is that I'm Natalie, that's fine too. You know, somewhere in your brain, you'll have it stored. As you said, I do write for well and good. I'm actually a freelance writer. So I'm writing for like a lot of different media publications. Yeah, I've written for Birdie as well, which is like a, you know, beauty and wellness site. And then I've also written for Refinery29. So yeah, I just really, my focus is lifestyle, beauty, and I think kind of a little bit like mindfulness very specifically, right? Like I've written kind of about going to therapy therapy and also like the different exercises that I've been taught that are like calm yourself you know because I have that very big problem with like anxiety and stuff and yeah I think the only other part that I'm missing is that I'm born and raised a very proud San Fernando Valley girl I will die by the 818 and yeah I still live here now I've grown up here my entire life my parents moved here from Mexico in the 80s and I was born in the 90s and yeah so I've been living here my entire life and the way that like I got to where I got to, which is kind of, you know, to bring it back to the beginning, I was hitting people up and I was like, yo, I want to be you. How do I do that? You know, like I'm a recent college graduate, et cetera. And recently I saw this video by some writer in Hollywood, like he's a TV writer. And he was saying that that's actually not the best approach. Like that's like the bottom level tier. Cause what you want to do essentially is like give up your labor for free and then hope that they get back to you because you've been doing that either for free or for low pay. And to me, it's like, well, like, could do that. Like I could. And do I see how that could be a better strategy? Assuming the worst of people. Yeah. Assuming that everyone's transactional. Absolutely. Like, but that's on me. I don't vibe with that, you know, like, and don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm not out here doing things for people. Like I love doing things for people. I think that that is like one of the things that brings me the most joy because I love helping people, but it's just like, I don't want you to exploit me so that you can answer a few of my questions like the internet exists I can figure it out and there's probably already someone out there who created a video telling you how to pitch 
who to talk to, how to write. So Mm -hmm. I just really hit people up and was like, yo, I'm trying to be you. And then one of those people connected me with somebody else. I got my first byline. And then from there, it was kind of easy peasy because my ideas were good. But I think one of the things like that has always been the case, especially in the professional industry is like in any professional industry, like no one really wants to give anyone a chance. Like they want you to come with experience, even if it's an entry-level job, because they don't want to take a risk that it's not going to work out. Right. Uh And so once I got that first byline and I was able to say, Hey, look, somebody else already gave me a chance. Basically everything else was just like, this is a great idea. We're taking it, or this is a great idea, but we're out of budget or this is a, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you get the response and you're like, like the editors are welcoming you to hit up their inbox with your pitches basically. So yeah, in a, in a pretty long-winded answer, that's who I am and how I got to be that person. I love that you were like, I am going to reach out to somebody that I admire and I'm going to ask them how they did it. And it, I mean, it just shows that intuitive strategy that you had going into it where you're like, this is what feels right to me that it worked out. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like the whole scam of a, of a unpaid internship, like, come on, that that's time. Time is money. And obviously, the older you get, you start to realize that. And that's why we outsource things. That's why we hire house cleaners. That's why we have someone mow our lawn <laughs> or what, you know, whatever you decide to outsource, whether you get an OBM or a VA or an assistant or a babysitter, even yeah. like. That's because time is money. So I I just love that you just led with that intuitive knowing. And I mean, it's paid off. I was looking through some of your articles on Well and Good. Yeah. Especially the one about your bisexuality. I was like, wow, that is such a powerful article. I'm going to link that below so you guys can read that. It's just, it's so interesting. Just that you, I feel like that would be for some people like such a, a weird topic, but I love how you addressed it with so much love and compassion. You're also like, I mean, this is where I was wrong and this is how I made it better. And this, I'm, I'm trying to help you too, because this may be something that's laying dormant that you don't even realize. It's so interesting you say that because like, that was probably one of the pieces that got the most love, like on social and stuff like people were resharing it or like responding to me like thank you so much for writing this you know because I think they also understand like how much it does take to write that and it was really hard to write that and it's interesting because that was actually one of the things that I like put on my edit test so when I had to get a job at well and good they you know make you take a test I actually don't know if I'm supposed to be saying this but I'm pretty sure it's fine like it's common knowledge edit tests you know and one of my pitches on that was that very story. And so, you know, down the line, I kind of realized like, oh, wait, like, can I probably can and should write stories from that list. So I pitched that and they were like, oh my God, yeah, let's do it. And I, yeah, that one took a lot of edits because you don't really want to get super real with yourself, you know? And so you just kind of touch the surface and then your editor, who's also like well-versed in emotions and like, you know, is very privy to introspection is like, I've made some cute little edits. Please. Well, that sounds so bad. Like, I mean, like they were being nice about it. Like, Hey, I like this piece a lot, but like, let's take it deeper, right? Like what's really happening here? What do you really want people to know? What did you really go through? Right? Like, not just like I was thinking the other day, but really like everything that led to that. And so it took a while, but it was cool. Cause I really wanted to have something that ran during pride. Right. 
because I'm like newly openly bisexual. It hasn't been my entire life that I'm like, yeah. And I mean, you know, you get that story in the article. So I was like, oh shit, I did it. Like, cool. You know, like bucket list check, like bucket item check. So yeah. And it's funny because like now I'm super proud about everything. And I knew we were doing this podcast today and I was like, I'm going to wear my pin, even though I had no idea like who was going to be here or whether or not you were going to use this footage for anything. I was just like, it's important to me. I love that you did that, that you still wore that despite knowing whether it's, it just shows you're not doing it for show. You're doing it because it's, it's a piece of you and it's a piece of you that you can take with you. You don't necessarily have to like paint your whole body in those colors or like sleep with the pin, but it's like, you put that on knowing like, I feel complete now. Like this is who I am and I'm going to wear this with pride and I'm not hiding it anymore. And I'm, I'm going to be me. And this is, this is the signal that like, this is who I am. And if you don't like it, you can go find someone else. Yeah, totally. And I think for me too, going back to like, you know, it's very important to me to be kind and to help other people. And I think that when you do something like this willingly, like not when it's forced upon you, of course, but like when you say, like when you have your pronouns in your bio or you wear your, you know, I don't know, like abort the patriarchy hat, whatever it is, like you're signaling to another person, like, Hey, I'm here. Like if you're scared to be here, cause you might think that you're the only person of your credence of your orientation of your, like, I don't know, gender, you know, like you're not like I'm here, you know, like don't worry if anything goes down, like I got you. So for me, like it, it definitely is just like all around a good thing and it's fun and it's cute. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who does not like the rainbow? Let's be real. Like, let's yeah. be real. But I love, I love what you just said right there about how by you wearing that you're signaling that you are a part of this community. And if anybody else maybe is, hasn't come out yet or they are too scared or they're just fearful of like what their family may I think more kind of like your story, you're showing them like, I'm here for you. It is okay. And sometimes it is needed for us to look to the other side and see what people are doing, especially with something like your sexual orientation or bisexuality or LGBTQ plus, because still in the United States, people still get up in arms about it. And I'm like, why do you care? Yeah. Like, why do you care what other people are doing? Like why? Religion. I mean, if, if you're really genuinely uh, yeah. asking it as opposed to like rhetorically asking, that's, that's why they care. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I'm not going to change their mind. And I learned a long time ago, including like with my writing, like I get emails. I write about astrology as well. Like in, in, in addition to like the mindfulness and sex relationships, all that good stuff, new balances and commerce. I also write about astrology and tarot and other like occult spiritual practices. And I cannot tell you how many times I would get an email from some hating ass person being like, you know, astrology is fake and there's no science to back it. And I'm like, yeah, I literally know that and acknowledge that in my stories. You read the headline and get up in arms about it because I'm taking my own time, not on your dime to write about this. Mm-hmm. So confusing. But like, what am I, like, I'm not writing for you. 
and I'm certainly not responding to your email. Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend my time with the people who identify with this practice because that's who I'm trying to help in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't, and that goes with so many other things in life too. Like if you have friends who aren't rooting for you or who kind of give you the side eye when you say something like true to them, you know, it's like, girl, I don't have time for this. My energy is better spent with my other friend who's like giving me constructive feedback, who's like letting me give her or them constructive feedback. And I'm just like, I can't be here. You know what I'm saying? So it's very, very like taxing and really hard to learn, but it's like going to the gym. You're like, Oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. And then you get dressed and you're like, I still don't want to go. And then you're there and you're like, I could just go back to my car and drive home and lay in bed. But then you get through it and you're like, Oh yeah, that's why I did that. Cause Uh I feel better now. Hey, it's Alexi McKinley interrupting your thought process here because I want to share something with you. Well, actually, can you do me a favor? Will you please stop what you're doing right now? Head to my Instagram at alexi.mckinley and DM me the words in all capitals podcast and see what happens. Okay, back to our regular programming. Yeah, totally. And I love that you touched on like, okay, the the side of the friendship too. Like we all have experienced friendships like that who are, you know, the people that you know, they aren't a real one. They are not a real one. They want to see you fail. That's what it feels like at least. But you don't have to spend time with them because like you said, they aren't for you. Not everybody is for you. And I love that we could turn it to that because that's, everybody has experienced that. Everybody has had a friendship end. I hope. So you, you know what that feels like. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I think one of the biggest things and what I would really want to change and within like the, the expert community of like relationship experts, this has never even been an issue, but like we think often of relationships as just like our partner, right? My boyfriend, my girlfriend, my partner, my spouse, like me and you have a relationship too. Even though we just met, even though I've never met you in person, even though we have only met each other through Instagram, you know what I'm saying? Like we still have a relationship, whether it's like this conversation or it goes beyond that, we don't know, but that's still a relationship. You still have a relationship with your boss, with your parents, with your siblings, with your friends, like your friends. Like, come on, you know? And yeah, you're absolutely right. Some relationships, some friendships have to end. They're just not good for you anymore. And it, again, is super hard to recognize when that's a necessary cut to make, but you'll be better for it. Yeah, it's it's really practicing that internal, that guidance and those boundaries and just honestly standing up for yourself. And I think recently I've been in this space where I've kind of been like stuck, quote unquote. That's how I feel. But I, I was sitting here, I was like, what am I waiting for? Like, why am I waiting to eat better? Why am I waiting to get active? Why am I, what am I waiting for? I'm 26 and I'm like, I already have a shit ton of things figured out at my age, which I'm really, I'm really thankful for, but I'm like, what am I waiting for? Because my biggest regret would be looking back and being like, I should have just fucking ditched that friend years ago because they weighed me down for 20 more years. And look at me now, you know, not living in that victim mentality, but like, why, what do we wait for? Like, why, why don't we show up as the most genuine, authentic version of ourselves? Like, I feel like most of it boils down to the other what other people think, what our religion says, what our friends think, what our parents think, what our grandparents think, everybody else. And it's so hard with all of these external factors, especially with social media, to really root into who we are. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, I wasn't like, but Lexi, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, I'm, no, absolutely. Like you're totally, totally right. And the thing I think is like, I, I recently met Simone from Drag Race at an event. Um, and, yeah. And I, and I had a conversation with her and it was so interesting because I was telling her like, Simone, like, I don't understand how you don't understand. Like you are that bitch. Like looks got it comedy got it acting got it what talent don't you have i'm so confused and like you're still dealing with whatever you might be dealing with Mm -hmm. and then one of the things that i said to her was just like who has ever told you that whatever like you know like who has really come up to you and said natalie you cannot be bisexual nobody ever said that to me directly the messages from around were telling me that Natalie, you cannot be bisexual. But nobody came up to me, looked me in the eye and said, Natalie, you cannot be bisexual. So I'm putting that pressure on myself for no reason other than it feels like it's disrupting or threatening my survival. And that's a fucking valid reason to do that, right? Like, absolutely. But I think what helps us to understand, and again, this is why, like, I've written a story about how I don't want kids and people are always like, why do you hate kids? I'm like, I never said that, right? Like, I said, I don't want them for myself. That's a commitment I don't see myself ever wanting to have, right? I will take care of your kids happily. You know, I love my little cousins and my little nieces and nephews, you know, but it's just like, I'm not. It's a big job. Yeah, it's a big job and I'm not down, you know? I'm not applying. (laughs) I'm I'm not applying. No, thank you. And so one of the things that I love about kids is like, they really, when you spend time with them, you're just like, if I just acted a little bit more like a kid every single day, I would be so much happier. So much happier. So much happier. Yeah. No care in the world. Yeah. And I think this is one of the simplest things that you can do that's like childlike behavior. And it's like, because I was like, well, duh, like, how could you not? And if you've ever spent time with a kid, you know, this is like their number one favorite question. Why? 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 Like, there's just like anything you say, their follow-up question is going to be why, right? And I think that's such a powerful thing for us to do because again, right? Like, why do I feel like I can't be bisexual? Because the church says, because the media shows straight people, because every book I've ever read, or you know what I'm saying? Like relationships, like whatever, like my parents, whatever, like what my parents say about my uncle who's gay, like all those things, like that's what made me feel like that. But again, it's like this, why? Why? Oh, because I'm letting it. And of course, it's so hard to be like, fuck it, whatever, who cares? That's an ongoing struggle. I'm not going to diminish that. But once yeah. you know the why, then you can get to the how. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do I get over this? How do I break past this? And it's hard. It's an everyday struggle. I'm not healed from it. Not to be accusatory, but you're not healed from it because no one's ever really healed from it at all. You know? Nobody's ever going to be like, I've arrived. Yeah. I'm perfect. I've made it. I've, I've healed from everything. And, and you know why? Because nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Amen. You know, not only one already touched. Yeah, like we already touched on this, and that's why, and that's okay. Like as long as, like, if we were just more transparent about that instead of like being hush hush about it, like behind closed doors, or like you know what I'm saying, which you and I are, of course. But like, it's just like, yeah, dude. Like nobody knows what we're doing, so just have some grace, have some patience, like have some understanding, and exercise that 
first and foremost with yourself because you're your own best friend. Ooh, or your own worst day, depending. Depending on how you see things and the choices up to you most days. Because I definitely have days where it's like, like you were saying how you felt stuck, right? And it's just one of those things like you are stuck for whatever reason. For me, it was depression, right? I was like, I can't get out of bed. I'm fucking burnt out. Like, I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to eat. Like, I'm just not doing it, right? But like, it wasn't like a what are you waiting for situation. It kind of was, I guess, because I was like, I'm waiting to feel better. Like, I'm waiting to just have at least a shred of energy to get up, to brush my teeth, to shower. But again, that goes back to this, like, patience and grace and, like, you know, like, okay, I was waiting for something, but I'm done waiting now. You know, yeah, I'm so creative. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And as long as you like consistently, in my opinion, in my experience, obviously I'm not licensed or credited or anything, but like from what I've learned in my very short 28 years of living is like just, you have to kind of think like, how can I be nicer to myself? So a very simple thing is like, oh, I'm so stupid. It's like, no, you're not. Maybe you're forgetful or maybe you're silly or maybe you're goofy or maybe you're funny or whatever, but you're not stupid. Don't say that to yourself. You know what I mean? And it sounds like ourselves. Yeah, it sounds so simple, but it's just like I did start feeling a lot better once I was like correcting myself, like catching myself, be like, no negative self-talk, you know? And then I would stop and then I'd be like, okay, I'm not stupid. I'm XYZ. We interrupt this regularly scheduled programming to introduce you to this new life-changing, groundbreaking mastermind for the woman who knows that she wants more in her life, who's done with the tedious, monotonous, boring day-to-day -day routine that makes her feel unfulfilled. Life is too short for that in this nine month container is going to completely transform the way you look at yourself, the way you show up and the way that you run your business. The rebirth mastermind is here. Link in the show notes to book a discovery call and see if it's right for you. Now back to the episode. Yeah, it, it's so crazy how if we don't consciously pay attention to our thoughts, how they can really just run our lives. And what is, is crazy to me is as what Natalie and I were talking about before the podcast even started is everything that happens up into the moment that we're in right now is shaped by our traumas, our childhood, who raised us, what our family relationships looks like, our programming, our religion, our culture, like literally every single thing that you've encountered up until this moment has shaped who you are. And that's not your fault, but once you have the awareness of like, oh, this is why I am the way I am, then at that point you do have a responsibility to change, but it doesn't have to be like a radical overnight, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be an, a triathlon participant, you know, and you've never ran a day in your life. Like I truly recently have been thinking about like, okay, what would future Lexi do? Yeah. Like if I could cherry pick my life and have the perfect life, what would it look like? Yeah. And I really started identifying, getting very specific as to what that looked like. So now when I walk around in my days, I'm like, if I look at the, the thin mints or whatever, and I'm like, what would future Lexi do? Future Lexi would eat pomegranates because she wants to be healthy and they're ju just as good. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's really taking inventory of every moment and not beating yourself up and being like, oh, I'm a, I'm a such a fat ass because I had a chocolate covered strawberry. Like yeah. what? No. No, every moment you have a new time to decide as to what your life is going to look like. And with you, you are so wise beyond your years. I'm sure that you hear that over and over and over and over well, again. That's a brag when my therapist does tell me. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
sorry. It's okay. It was funny. I'm not going to lie. No, no, it was. I was just coughing. I'm like, ah. The oh. fact that you're in therapy at 28 years old, some people never go to therapy. It's true. Ever. Yeah, Ever. that's true. That's true. And I think for, for those people, all I want to say is I hope that, that like they're patient and gracious and kind to themselves and realize that it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not, oh, you're cuckoo or he's lost it or they have few screws loose, like whatever it is. Like, no, it's not that. It's you're caring for yourself the same way that you would if you got like a physical or if you went to the gym or if you went to the spa or if you went to the beach. Like, Uh, yeah. It's like, if you broke your leg, right? You're going to go to the ER. So why, if you're having having a panic attack, that's like, that's that's an emergency, right? So like, why don't we treat ourselves with the same kind of care and grace with our mental health as we do our physical health? I really do think we're on the we're shifting yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's just it's so it's so interesting to me how we as a society in america mental health for so many years was like you're insane because people would be thrown in an insane asylum in the 50s if they were having a meltdown like i think about my great grandma she had my grandma and then she had a set of twins and then another set of twins and then a surprise kid about 10 years later and she ended up going to the mental hospital because her husband was absent and she had these six kids that she's trying to figure out what to do but people looked at her like she was fucking insane and i'm like how did we get to that point in the world ever yeah but Obviously, our world is so much different now, which I'm so thankful for that we, you know, are more open and we can, we, we now realize how important mental health is yeah. because it, everything's connected, everything. Totally. And I think there, the, the lesson is like, this is one of the things that really truly makes me the most upset out of so many things. Like when people just like stop, like the bystander effect and something really horrible is happening and they just stop and look instead of like trying to stop it or trying to help. Right. And obviously it's an extreme situation and a kind of different one if there's a lot of violence involved, because you don't necessarily want to put yourself or your, your, whoever you're with in danger either. But I do think that like in less extreme circumstances, like for instance, the the example of your great grandma, where if I see one lady with six kids and she looks like she's struggling, I'm going to go try to help her. I'm going to ask her if she needs me to hold her bags or if she wants me to hold the hands of two of these kids. Like, and I know that sounds like, bitch, no, you wouldn't, but yes, I would. <laughs> like ask any of my friends. I'm the type of person from as, anything as small as like, if I'm going, and this literally happened the other day, if I'm going up the stairs and I see you're coming down with the box and I know there's a door at the bottom that I just opened, I'm going to go back down the stairs, open it for you, let you walk through and then I'll go back to my apartment. I don't know the type of day anyone is having. And even something as like, it took five seconds. Literally, I was like down, up, down again, or whatever. It didn't take long for me to do. And it probably made a pretty big difference in this person's life. And even if it didn't, Lex, like, it made a pretty big difference in my life. I'm talking about it now because I felt good about it, right? And so I think even if my, my roommate and I always talk about this, like I think even if you're doing something selfless, it's not really that selfless because you still feel good about it. So there is a benefit for you there, even in just holding the door open for someone or texting your friend and saying, hey, I've been thinking about you. How are you? Or, you know, like helping that lady with all the kids, like asking someone if they need help to get on the sidewalk. You know what it is? Like when you, when there's an opportunity for you to be kind, you'll recognize it. You'll see it. 
and whether you can do it or not is up to you. But I mean, I'm just the type of person who's probably going to do it more often than not. Yeah. It's because, I mean, that shows your heart and it really does. Like it shows that you are a good person and down to your core. It doesn't matter what he, she, or they think about you. It's like, I'm going to do what feels right to me you have that intuitive force where you see that woman struggling. Mm -hmm. Your perception is maybe that she's struggling. Maybe she is, maybe she isn't, but you're still going to go offer your hand because that's just who you are. That's your character. And I have a feeling you're not the type of person who's like, if you were to help someone and they didn't say thank you, that you wouldn't be like, well, fuck you then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like some people do that. They're like, they hold the door open or they let someone in in front of them when they're driving and then they don't wave. And then they're like, well, fuck you then. Like, yeah. you can't put yourself out there to be kind yeah. just to expect something back from it. I completely agree. I mean, we're all flawed. So I probably have had that thought where someone, like I hold a door for them and they're six friends and nobody says thank you. And I'm like, all right. But I'm not like in their face, but I'm like, well, so I'm like, well, all right, well, fuck you then. You know what I'm like? Or I'll probably say something like, well, fuck me then, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. like, it's more like, yeah. But, but you know, I wouldn't, I would still do it again. Cause you're right. Like, it's not for the thank you. It's just like the right thing to do and you always do feel that you know maybe there's no such thing as like objectivity like what is the absolutely objectively right thing to do but I think once it's in your body it kind of like paradoxically becomes objective because you know what you're feeling right so that's the subjective part but then you also know objectively that you are feeling that so it's mm -hmm. like it's a really complicated like thought process but I think and you mentioned this term intuition and I literally am staring at a book that says your intuition led you here I feel like already in this episode we've just I feel like okay so when I first reached out to Natalie I was like I want to know your writing process but I feel like this is so much better because <laughs> we just honestly like fuck business like yeah. this is what's important this is super important like the kindness the curiosity like having that childlike curiosity asking yourself like if you're having a hard emotion like why am I feeling like this or if someone's being rude then you're like well I wonder why they're acting like that you know just really coming at it with like that why curiosity childlike lens I mean that's that's really what life is all about because nobody knows what we're doing. Like no, there's not one person on this planet that's like, I've arrived, I've made it. And I know exactly what's going to happen. Like even the people that say they're prophets, I'm just going to say like, I'm so skeptical about that. Cause I'm like, do you really know? Like, how do, how do I know that you like, I don't, nobody knows. Yeah. And that's not really how I practice my, like my spirituality. Right. Like I don't generally believe in prophets past or present. Yeah. Right. And so like, for me, it's just really like in here, it's like, what do I feel? What's that voice? What is my body telling me? What are the signs around me? Right. Like, like that kind of stuff. I live by the way, for you pouring your champagne right now. Because, like, the look on your face is like, yeah, this conversation. Then you're like, yeah, champagne. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, like this is lighting my soul yeah. on fire. I'm going to have another drink tonight. Yes, <laughs> which I love. I love, I love, I love. If I hadn't just been, like, a three-day bender, I would have I would have totally joined you. But I need to detox. But, yeah, I did kind of want to get into the writing part because, I mean, A, that's what we was what you reached out for. And I want to give you at least some snippets to use. But also because I think that, that that's what people might be most interested in. And thirdly, because everything that we did talk about actually leads perfectly into my writing process, right? That's very true. Yeah. Okay, so that's actually a question that I wrote down. What does your writing process look like? Yeah, it's really different. I think it starts with the type of story that it is because I can either pitch it, which means 
I come up with the idea. I send it to the editor. They say yes or no, or I can get it assigned, which is whoever else comes up with the idea. Then the editor who is responsible for publishing that story will send it to me and say, hey, can you write this up? Right. So depending on what, like already there, the writing process is different, right? Because when I make the pitch, it's like I'm sitting there before I even write the pitch. I'm researching pretty much everything I can about this topic so that I can give the best and most compelling pitch because there's a difference between like general concept and basically like this study found right like I can say something more like duh of course we all know that going for a walk is good for you because you get some sun but that's different than like a 2013 study in journal of being outside is good for you you know what I'm saying like that's completely different so it really just comes down to knowing what I'm writing whether that's you know by a pitch or getting it assigned researching it because once it gets assigned to me I'm doing that same research no matter what it's just a different order of operations right so the Mm -hmm. basics are understand the story like right research it find the experts and find who would be the best for that story I'm not talking to a relationship therapist for a story about what I learned my first year investing in the stock market it just makes no sense like could you imagine like that'd be so weird unless I was able to tie into how the relationship with money is also a relationship and you know that kind of thing then it'd be compelling but other than that I'm looking for the experts I'm reaching out to them I'm setting up the interviews that's all part of the process too And then once I actually start the writing, writing, I've tried it all the ways and it's frustrating. Like I, one time somebody told me that somebody had told them, so it's like knowledge passed down. And then I saw it like a month later on a TV show because one of the girls wanted to be a journalist, like full-time on staff. And that quote was like, if you love to write and you want to do it as a profession, but there's literally anything else that you can do that even sparks a little bit of joy, do that. Really? That's what they said. Because it's grueling. It's so hard, you know, like to do it every day. I love to do it for freelance. And that's what I I discovered, you know, like kind of working full-time as a journalist. Like it's great. And I loved it. And I had a lot of access to a whole bunch of cool ass shit. I'm not even going to lie. But my love for writing and my respect for that process just made it impossible to write as many stories as were required of me in a week in a month like I like to just sit there and really like think about it and then go away and then come back and you can't really do that when you have so many do in a day so like my writing process now it's like okay I do all those things then I sit down and I'm just like okay I'm gonna make an outline right? Like, cause that's what I've, I've tried it every other way too. I'm going to just straight up, right. I'm going to paste the quotes from the experts. I'm going to just do my, like, it has to be an outline. Right. And I'll just like lead. And then I'll put like my A and it'll be like either a full sentence if I have it, or it'll be like something cute about why you want to buy new balance sneakers or something like that. My lead for that was like, once a relic of dadhood deemed uncool, like new balance sneakers are now in. Cause they are right. Like if you're paying attention, sorry, but true. Like, You're like, what the 
fuck? When in the world did New Balances become cool again? Because they're not just making the old models anymore. Like they're making some really cool, dope fly ones, you know? And so I noticed that and was at the mall, bought a New Balance pair of sneakers, then was like, wait, I wonder if this exists on Well and Good yet. Because I know that's a total Well and Good story because I had researched on their site, like what, like New Balance podiatrists, right? And they didn't have anything. So I was like, okay, perfect. I'm pitching this. And I did, my editor loved it. And it came out, I think a few days ago. And I think that must have happened all within like a few weeks, like maybe two, three weeks. So yeah. Is that your typical turnaround time for your pieces that you put out? When I do freelance, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. But I've had, when I was staff, sorry, when I was staff, I could write something and it would go live the same day. Oh, Mm -hmm. see, that's what I think people don't really understand about PR. And it's a place that I have to educate my clients on a lot is, I mean, there's some that go out within like a day or two weeks, but then there's some that are like, we're going out in six months. Like timelines are so insane. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And you know what? We have the same thing. Like that unpacking my internalized homophobia piece, like that took probably closer to seven or eight months to be 100% honest to, yeah, to like fully complete because I had been working on that idea for a long time. I just hadn't found who to pitch it to or where to pitch it. I mean, I used to see stuff like my friend would tell me, oh, I'm working on this. And I'd be like, oh, cool. And then I wouldn't see it till like a year later. It happens. It happens. It happens. But it's so much sweeter when you read it a year later. You're like, you worked your ass off for this. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Okay. So I am interested to hear, do you get people that pitch you like their stories? The publicists? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's the most interesting story that you've heard to date as a writer? Hmm. As a pitch from a publicist? Mm-hmm. Or even someone that's pitching themselves. Yeah, true. Yeah, I know, honestly, because it ha- it's also very specific parameters. So I have to think because there was something that wasn't pitched directly to me. So th- I think that might disqualify it, but I did get assigned that story and I do. Oh, I let's love hear it. it. So there's this actress, uh, her name is Diane Guerrero. She's in Orange is the New Black. She's Maritza. And then she was also in Encanto. She's Isabella in Encanto. And she was pitched to us because she has this new partnership with love beauty and planet the like body brand yeah it was just so cool to talk to her because you know I did my research I looked on her Instagram there were two words it was intersectional mujerista which is kind of Spanish for womanist and it was so interesting because I was like what is an intersectional womanist and how do you describe that and like you know what's challenging about doing that and then it was so cool to talk to her because seeing her is like oh you look like me you sound like me you have a really compelling story because she's been open about the hurt that was caused to her by this country when her family was deported like she came home from school and nobody was there like they'd been sent back and she was just like I didn't know what to do and you know what I'm saying so it's been a wild ride for her and that's probably to say the least it was nice to talk to her and and see that like she's been able to help her family in the way that she wanted to when she couldn't before yeah that's really awesome I mean like just it sounds like from that story she took something that's so heart-wrenching and like heartbreaking just the I couldn't even imagine but she took that trauma that she experienced and turned it into something Mm -hmm. good I think are, are those the stories that 
are the most compelling for you to write where you're like, Ooh, this was really fucked up, but then this is what good you made out of it. Like how cool is that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, those are exactly my favorite stories to write because there's so much to learn from that. Right. And it's in and of itself a reminder that there is something you can learn from everything that happens to you, you know, and, and that sounds horrible because someone who really went through something traumatizing is like, what the fuck am I supposed to learn from this, you know? And having been through something similar myself, I think as, as a lot of us who identify as femmes often have been, right? Like you can learn that nobody's going to break you. You could do whatever, like do your fucking worst. I haven't been broken yet and I don't plan on being broken yet. So like, I'm not going to be around you if that's what you're going to be doing just by but I do think that for me personally, what's my favorite thing to write are like first person stories, right? And that could be anything from like a review on a sex toy to that personal piece about bisexuality. I have also written like more in depth, I want to say like harder hitting pieces, like the bisexuality piece, and also a piece about the container exercise, which my therapist taught me as a means of storing negative feelings for safekeeping and coming back to them when you are more ready. Cool. That sounds interesting. Do you, wait, is that a live mm-hmm. article mm-hmm. that I can link? Okay, I'm going to link that Yeah, below. thanks. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely one of my favorite ones to write. Oh my gosh. I feel like I, you know what I really love about you is that you take the real shit that you go through and you amplify it and you share it because you know that if you're going through it, somebody else is too. So the container exercise, I'm looking through your well and good thing right now. You're like just the astrology, the sex, like everything that you talk about helps somebody in some way. And I really think that's really Yeah, thank you. I think that's amazing that you have the platform and you're using it for good. Yeah. I mean, same to you, right? Is that not what we're doing here? I love it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We're we're leading people to her well and good <laughs> links, which are going to be below. I have three links that are going to be below. And then if you want to send me any beyond that, I will put them down there. But honestly, I feel like my soul has been lit on fire in the best way possible from this conversation. I mean, like we touched from everything to like spirituality, to kindness, to relationships, to what it actually looks like your process of a writer and then interesting story pieces and you know having that childlike curiosity so i honestly thank you so much so fun it was so nice to meet you are people able to work with you or is that more of like pitch me here or like how how do you want people to move forward with you next yeah, steps? honestly i think the best would probably be email my website natalieoroyocamacho.wordpress.com or something like that i always butcher that but there's a contact form there and there's also my email address there so i think those are going to be the best ways for you to reach out and i do a lot of different stuff of course like my bread and butter is writing but i also do editing and some social media management as well as some nannying because I love, 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 love kids. So I do a lot. And if you need any of those things, hit me up at natalieoroyo.camacho at gmail.com or just go to my website, you know, and um, you can contact me there. Oh, I just, I just love you so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You guys, everything is going to be linked down below. So make sure you connect with her 
on her website, but also follow her on Instagram because she is so fun. And that's why I was like, I need to have you on this podcast. You look like a blast in the glass. And my expectations have been exceeded. Thank you. That means a lot. Oh, thank you. Hey, thank you so much for coming out to the lounge today. It is truly an honor to have you here a part of this journey in this community with us. If you're loving this podcast, share it with a friend, tag us on social media and leave some love in the reviews below. Also, there are still resources for you in the show notes below. So do not miss those before you exit out of this podcast. All right.